property. If you have a chumash, it's going to be helpful. We're Parshas Truma. Page 444. The blue chumashim in your chayenus is at the beginning. It's chumash shemais. It's the book of Exodus, chapter 25. We're starting at the beginning of the chapter. Okay, at this point in, our, in the chumash, we are making a little bit of a shift. It's till now we've been talking about Exodus and slavery and blah, 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 the whole situation. Where are we going now? Building the Mishkan. Building the Mishkan. We're building the Mishkan, okay? Oh, baby. <laughs> I, literally, I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, yes. Oh, before we... Are we recording? I'm recording, yeah. It's okay. Before we start, before we start class, I want to dedicate this class. Leela uh, is my nephew, who's here today tonight. And tomorrow, Maishi Ben, Menachem Mendel, and Basa Chayenta. His Neshama Shav Aliyah, and our tire should be... Our Terry should be uh, a schutz for him. Amen. Okay, so we're making a switch from sort of looking inward a little bit to looking out, and we're going to start building a home for Hashem. Now, what's going to happen here is it's going to take us, we have five more Torah portions before we finish the, before we finish the Chumash. We have Teruma, Tetzava, Kisisa, Vayakla, and Pekude. Okay, four of those talk about the Mishkan. The book of Exodus. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. We're going to finish the book of Exodus in five. It's actually not going to be in five weeks. It's going to be in four because this year, Vayakla and Pukude are together. So we have four more. Four, we're going to, of those five remaining Torah portions, four of them are going to be dealing with the, with the Mishkan. Now, if you think about it, creation of heaven and earth is like what? Maybe like a chapter and a half? To, you know, like it's not so. There's not, it doesn't get. Doesn't get so much ink in the in the chumash, um, and yet the talking about the mishkan, which as we know was originally built as a temporary structure. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll get into the whole conversation about mishkan in a second, but it's it's and it's like practically speaking, the mishkan in various incarnations stood for about nine hundred years, just under. It was forty years. It was forty years in no, not nine hundred. I lied. That's not true. It was 40 years in the desert. It was, and then there was about 400 something years before the Beis Hamikdash is built. So it was like, okay, let's say about, about almost uh, five or five, between 550 and 600 years that it's, that it's gonna build. And, and the Beis Hamikdash that we had, one that stood for 410 years and one that stood for 420 years, they don't get that much ink. I mean, they get no ink in, in, in the Chumash actually. Really? They get it in the Nevi'im. But we're going to use this floor plan-ish for the Beis HaMikdash, but really the conversation is for the Mishkan, and the Mishkan is, A, it's Ki'ilu, it's a traveling situation, right? So in case you think it's like an RV that you attach to your, to your car or something to like go camping with, it's not that little, okay? The, the whole structure, and we'll talk about it in a second, is about half the size of a football field, so it's kind of big for the Americans who understand that reference and everybody who doesn't, I'm really sorry. Um, so uh, it's not so little, it's not a little, it's not like this little, it took about 5,000 Levites to transport and put the Mishkan up. It was like, it was a big production. Um, but, but yeah, but it, well, not a circus, but it was, yeah, but it was definitely traveling and it, there was a lot of, and it, it was a lot of manpower and there was a lot of, so the, the Beis HaMikdash, the, the temple that's going to be built, is A, going to be bigger, um, bigger in size, and it's going to be, the, the, it's going to be the, the materials are going to be slightly different. Um, and we have so much ink talking about the Mishkan, talking about the tabernacle, and like, what's up with that? And it only makes sense, sort of in line with how we're doing this whole Chumash, if, as the Mepharshim talk about the idea, that the Mishkan is actually reflected in the human, in the human being, that... And there's a conversation that goes on, and obviously in good Jewish tradition, there's a, is the, is the mishkan, is a temp, is a tabernacle, the, the first, and we are the, who's the mushal, who's the nimshal, who's the parable, and who's the explanation, right? Is it us to the mishkan, or is it the mishkan to us? And there's people who say on both sides of the spectrum. So once we understand that the Mishkan is not just about a temporary structure that went with the Jews in the desert and then ended up being semi-permanent once they came to the land of Israel, it's bigger than that. And it's talking about us and everything in us. Then we have to look at this a lot more uh, deeply and a lot more closely. Okay? I have a 
Sure. Why do we have a Mishkan? Yeah, like, why wouldn't, like, obviously we don't have... Because it would start a war, actually, right now. Where's Harabayit? There's, no. there's mosques there right now. I'm not having one. Yeah, like, I... Once, even, right, so like, once... Why wouldn't we put, like, why don't we have one, like, in Shiloh, for example? Um, okay, so once... I guess... That's a good question. I think because you need a, a God command to make a home for Hashem. So if, you're talk, if, you're, if you're talking about a physical external structure that's going to be a home for Hashem because of the nature of God being infinite all those big words, we can't just decide, oh, this is going to be a good idea. Let's put him here, right? Even if we're going to come... He has to tell us to do it. It has So whether it's the tabernacle or it's going to be the temple, he's like, I am willing to call this my home and this is going to be my space. So then, fine, then we go ahead and we make it. But, for, but at, this, at this stage of the game, the only place we could build a Mishkan for Hashem is inside. By transforming all of our parts and to see every single part of the Mishkan, where do we have that in ourselves and in our lives? That's the only place we can make a home for Hashem right now. We can't say, oh, I think, you know, let's just make it. And again, if you say by the same token, you'd say like, why, why settle for a Mishkan? Why not build a base of Mikdash? You know, like, and it's kind of like problematic. To build a base of English today, you know, it's like a shtickle problem. What if, like, Hashem commanded us to do it? Then, like, what? Okay, so we have to. So we're gonna have to. I'm gonna be very practical over here. We're gonna have to weed out all the Jerusalem syndrome people who said God told me to build a a house on (laughs) Temple Mount. Um, (laughs) Once we once we get everybody's like mental health checked out. then, then, then that's the question, you know. Then there is, listen, in the, in the old city, there's a machon, there's a center called the Temple Mount Institute, yeah. and they are religiously studying the dimensions to make the vessels. They're not going up and building, you know, building a base amikdash, but they want, as soon as Mashiach comes, like, somebody's got to have to know how to do this. we got to have this prepped. Like, we gotta, we got to work on this. So, like, yeah. it's not that people aren't actually thinking about it, but to say, we heard, God told us that now is the time to go and build a base amikdash, because why go for the Mishkan if you go for the base amikdash? Mm-hmm. You know, like, none of us have heard that just yet, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that when that voice comes through, it's going to be so clear to every single person that, we're, that we won't have to do mental health checks, and we won't have to have the world all say, what, I can't believe what they're they're moving the status quo, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's going to be so clear. This is, my, this is my emotional belief. This is not based on anything. That, like, when Mashiach comes and is like, yalla, let's build a base of Mikdash, it's going to be so clear. We're going to know it's, like, not some, yeah. Okay? The Seder. The first thing, so because we have time to talk about the, the Mishkan, I want to start today this is Hashem talking to Moshe, and he says, speak to the Jewish people, you should take from me a donation from from every person, you should take my, my donation. And then it goes in Pasuk Gimel, verse 3, and it tells us what do we need to take from the Jewish people. We need to take, Aviv, what do we need to take? Keep going. Purple and scarlet wool, linen, and goat's hair, red dragon skins, um, the tachash skin, tachash skins, and pine wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the spice incense, um, shifon stones, and incense, incense stones for the gate Yep, um, and the breastplate. Okay, so Hashem, first of all, he's going to list in four verses, he's going to list, you ready to turn it off? Go. No, I'm oh. Okay, one second. He's going to list 15 different items that we need to, in order to make the the Mishkan, you'll notice that they come from all levels of creation. You have some inanimate, you have some animal, you have some uh, plant stuff going on there. There's lots of, all the levels are going to be represented over here. The last thing listed are Avne Shoham and Avne Miluim, which are like these onyx stones, um, the, the onyx stones that we're, we're going to talk about next week. It goes on the Kohen Gadol's shoulders mm-hmm. and the stones for the breastplate. Um, and which very powerful statement, they're not given the names of what they are. There were 12 big blingy jewels for the Kohen Gadol that he wore, and they're only called Avne Miluim, which means, like, they're the stones to fill the space, right? 
And I think like today we hear a lot about holding space for other people. And I think like the, the most important things that these stones had was that they held a space. They were each represented a different tribe, but they, their, their value is not so much, oh, it was a ruby, it was a diamond, it was an emerald, it was a just, I don't know the rest of the names. Like that wasn't the biggest value as much as it was part of a bigger thing and it was holding space for each other. Question, Amber. I think it's almost time for us to turn off the heating. Soon. <laughs> It says in the translation, ram skin is dolphin skin concealed. Where would you find a dolphin in the desert? So, I don't know where you got a, t- a, de- a translation for Tahash, because most... Safari is. Okay, so Safari is calling it a... Ta- a, a it's calling a... a blah. Safari is calling it a dolphin. Most translations just leave it as a Tahash skin. And Rashi says, if you take a look at Rashi... He says, Tchashim, it's verse, it's, it's Pasuk Hay, verse 5. It's the second Rashi. It's a kind of animal that never existed except for that time. It had many, many colors. It was a multicolored, whatever it was. That's why the Targum translated as Sasganash Sheshesh. It's something that, w- it was an animal that was proud of its colors. There was something that was very happy about itself. Umit pa'er bigvanim shalo. He was the this animal was very like beautiful and very and knew it was a very beautiful animal. Okay, so I don't know where you get dolphin from, so I can't argue with the English translation, but I can tell you that Rashi talks most of the Chamashim don't translate it. They just leave it as Tahash. Rashi says it's an animal that only existed at that time period, and it was one of the layers, we'll talk about it in a second. Well, it was one of the layers in the Mishkan. Um, and and you know, if you talk about how do we find everything in ourselves, so um, I forgot one of the Chassidish Rebbe's talk about the idea, like, where do we find Tachash in ourselves? Where is that place of, where is that place that, you know, every, we have to have everything, and so he explains that the place of where we are Sameach Bechelka, where we are happy with what we have, the Tachash is, Rashi says, the overriding quality of the Tachash was that it was happy. It was sus- it was, it was happy in its in its colors, it was happy in its space, and like, um, and that's very, that's very, you know, like that's a very powerful space for us to actually be there, be in, um, and, um, ha ha ha, I'm trying to find the word, um, uh, I can't find it now, so I can't, if I can't find the word, then that can't give you the play on words, because it doesn't help without it. Without the word uh, under it, okay. So we're the so we have these items. We're gonna get back to that in a second, okay. And then we're gonna start talking about the uh, the vessels that are gonna get made. Oh, you know, actually, let's stay in order so we don't go, jump all over the place. Okay. So one of the most famous things that I've I heard from the Rebbe so many times um, when we talk about the Hashem says to take these asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham in verse hey, sorry, verse ches in eight, you should, you should take, you should, uh, you should make me a mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham and I will dwell, and I will dwell amongst them. The Rebbe always used to add, b'toch kal echad v'echad misrol, in the hearts and souls of every single person. Um, and it's actually a quote from, I, when I was learning, I remember learning, looking in Rashi, like, what, Rashi doesn't say that? Like, how is it not how is it possible that Rashi doesn't say that? It's actually from the Shalah Kadesh that he talks about that in Vasali Mikdash is in singular, you should make for me a, a, t- a sanctuary and I will dwell amongst them. He says, what's this them business? <coughs> is that every single one of us is capable of carrying Hashem. And to sort of line up with that, and Hasidus talks about it and asks the question, if we're making a home for God, like, wouldn't you expect it to be, like, just gorgeous and beautiful? Like, take the gold, take the silver. What are you bringing the copper in? Because in, in the Gemara, it talks about the idea of different, like, there's a, an advantage of silver over gold and gold over silver. One is more shiny. One is, like, a deeper color. But, like, nobody says, you know, copper is, like, high up on the list of, like, awesome materials. So, like, you're making a home for God. Use only gold. Use only silver. Use gold and silver. Like, what's the deal with that? And Chassidus explains that gold, silver, and copper represent dif- represents different people or different kinds of people. And I would add that it also represents within ourselves different parts of ourselves. So the kesef always, the silver talks about the tzaddik. It talks about nichsof, nichsafi, this drawing to Hashem, this always being attached to Hashem. 
that's the kesef. We so that's you know that's that place. The zahav is the place of the balchuva, the place of the person who's been places, done places. The refl- the silver. If you ever try polishing silver or gold, silver shines much much brighter than gold. But gold has a different, more actually has a, a higher value, even though the silver has the more shine. Silver, right? So then, who's the copper? What's the gold? The gold or the balichuva? So then, who's the copper? The copper, the people with the potential. That's a nice way to describe them: the people with potential. <laughs> but it is usually talks about the people who we haven't quite gotten there yet. You know, like there are certain places. We haven't quite gotten even to, to Balchuva. Like, so with the, you have the Tzadik part of us, you have the, the Balchuva part of us or the Benini part of us, and then you also have the part of us where the struggle is real and it's, it's, we don't always win. In fact, many times we lose in that place. And that's Nechoshet. And, and what Hashem wants us to understand is that all of those people and even within ourselves, all of those parts of ourselves are so important to come into our home for Hashem. When we say, do I have a place in this edifice? Do I have a place in this relationship? Well, part of us is going to say, well, I mean, I know what I did yesterday. I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Like, I, I don't know how I rank, you know, like, who wants me in there? And Hashem's like, I want you there. I want you there. I want every single part of you. It's not just the place where, like, everybody who has their whole thing together and they're like, they're all shiny and good and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, we have a place for them. Like, obviously, we're going to use them. And, but there's also a place for the copper, the copper within us and the people who are still only copper, who haven't gotten to the place of silver or gold. Not that you can change metals, but people can change. So even though you, we don't believe in alchemy and you cannot actually change one metal to another metal, but when it's, it's representing a person, then you can change and you can, you know, become better. And even, and I'm going to put this plug I heard this once from Rabbi Friedman when he spoke about that a tzaddik, a rush, and a bainani are not three different people. Huh? I heard it from Rabbi Manas Friedman. Um, that a tzaddik and a rush and a bainani are not three different people, but they're parts of ourselves. The tzaddik is where Hashem always wins. The bainani is where we struggle, but usually come with the right answer. And the rush is a part where we're still struggling. Whereas, whereas I like how you said it, Estella, the potential is there. <laughs> potential is over there. Um, and, and all of us have all of those in us, and we need to be able to understand that all of those have to come into our house for God. Okay, um, if we don't start moving, we're not going to get anyplace. So that's two things that I wanted to say as a, as a prerequisite to what's going on, to understand that one of the things that we're going to find about some of the stuff is that, you know, some of the, some of the, the vessels is going to be easy to see, you know, how it's, it's going to be able to, it's going to be able, oh my gosh, I'm losing my English. Some of the items, we're going to be able to see the correlation easily of how that reflects something in our bodies, and some of them is going to be a little harder to find, and we're going to work to do all of that, okay? One last thing. Huh? Okay. Um, I want to look at one more Rashi. Okay. In Rashi, in, in verse 5, okay, Okay, so va'atze shitim. I know we've learned about the acacia wood. We've lo- we learned in different maimarim about, right? You guys were learning the maimar about atze shitim, about shdusta kedusha. Mm-hmm. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you, thank you, feedback. Okay, Rashi wants to know. He has a very practical question. Where do you get wood in the desert? It's a really good question, and not only that, I want to say that the que- that the wood. It's not like oh, like I have like a couple of like things to brace the table. The bo- the boards for the mishkan were ten amas tall. An ama is between eighteen and twenty one inches. In if you're going to try to figure out how it is, so when you take a a wood beam, it's not nailed together. That's ten amas tall. That's like awkward traveling with it. It's not like, oh, I got like, you know, like I got my tambourine here, I got my harp, and I got like my plank of wood that's 10 amas long. That's like big stuff, right? So Rashi wants to know, where'd you get it from? Um, okay, so he says, Pirish Rabbi Tanchuma, so Rabbi Tanchuma explains, listen to this, Yaakov Avinu, Safa Baruch HaKodesh, Yaakov saw with Ruach HaKodesh, Shasidin Yisrael Livnois Mishkan Bamidbar. 
How long ago was this? He saw that the Jews are going to build a home for God when they leave Egypt. Yaakov's the beginning of the exile. They're going to be in Egypt for 210 years. And then they're going to leave. And then they're going to have to build a house for God. He brought saplings from Israel. From the, at that point, it was the land of Canaan. He planted them in Egypt. And he told his children, when you leave, cut down this forest. You're going to need it to build a home for God. Rashi, uh, hey. And he moves so far yet, right? He saw, now I want to say something. First of all, has anybody ever seen really tall trees? Yeah. Right? If any's ever been to Yosemite or anything, a tree that's 210 years old is very tall. And, and I want to think for a second. You know, first of all, you know that, that place, that humbling feeling of standing next to something really tall? Everybody knew that these trees are proof that we are not going to be slaves forever. They knew because there was a forest that Jacob had planted. He didn't bring one sapling. He brought a bunch of saplings and he told them, you are going to leave. And when you leave, take these trees. And they watched the trees get bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it got bigger and the slavery got terrible and life was hell and they were like, what is going on? They had physical proof in their midst that this is going to end and we are going to get out of there. And I... And that's why Rashi quotes that it was said by Rabbi Tadchuma, because Tadchuma comes from the word of comfort, that there was a comfort for the people in Egypt when they saw these trees, because they knew there was going to be an end to the exile, that it wasn't going to last forever. And as they saw these trees, first of all, you look up and you see Hashem, right? You look up, you're looking to the top, of it, so it sort of puts your head up into that position of prayer. And also this place of comfort, understanding that it's, we're going to get out of here, it's we're not going to be here forever. We're going to be here as long as we're going to be here. And we are going to get out. So I wanted to, you know, we don't have a forest over here in this exile with us now, but we have. We are a forest. Though. Nice. I'm going to buy that one, Stella. We are the forest and we are going to get out. We don't have to chop anybody down. We're going to just build people up and we're going to be the forest that's going to march towards the gula. So, yay, I like that one. Okay. Now, in this part, in this parsha, which we have to start moving a little bit. We're going to start talking about what's going on. Now, Hashem's going to tell the first vessel that Hashem says to build is, it's chapter 25, verse 10. What do they have to make? They have to make an ark. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to make the ark. What is our, what are our ark? Then? I'm not erasing this with such a nice handwriting. Okay, we're going to have our ark. What are the dimensions of the ark? Um, two and a half cubits in length. Cubit and a half. Two and a half by what? One and a half? By one and a half. By one and a half. By one and a half. Okay, there's going to be our ark, and then it's going to go into more direct, more discussion about the ark. It's going to be a gold box with a wooden box with a gold box with a cover with the cherubs on the top with a little gold zerzahav, like a crown around the edge of it. And it's going to have sticks, which nobody ever calls sticks. They always call them staves. It's a nice word, staves. Um, in the ark, the ark is going to ultimately home. No, not home. It's going to house right? It's going to be the house. home. It's going to be the house or it's going to be the home for the tablets are going to be in there and the broken tablets. Spoiler. <laughs> okay, so it's going to have the tablets, the broken tablets, and it's also going to have the first Torah scroll that Moshe wrote. And that's going to be like what we fact check Torah scrolls. With. So we have an ark. Okay. Um, next, what else? We have the kapars go on, it goes on. The next thing we're going to have is the shulchan. Okay, the table. the table. Okay, so we have nobody laugh at my art because <laughs> beautiful. Is that the cover? What? Is it the same thing as the cover? No, the, the, the cover is the top of the art. Here, it's right here. See, we have here's our art. What? What is it? This is our art. Here's the kaporis. This is the cover, and there are our cherubs. Okay. The kaporis is the cover of the art. Okay. Not kaparis that with chickens. No, it's kaparis. It's the cover of the ark. Mm-hmm. The next thing we have is the shulchan, which is a table. That's number two. Okay, give me a mount. Give me dimensions for a, ta- for a table. Where is it? Uh, chapter, what's it? It's chapter 25. Two by what? Two by one by 1.5. Two by one by 1.5. Okay? How a cubit? A cubit is an ama. It's, it's about eight, between 18 and 21 inches. Okay? And the shulchan is ultimately going to look... Something like this. Again, do not judge me by my, my drawing skills. Okay? It was a table. On top of the table were like these cubicles for the bread. 
Okay, and every Friday, no, sorry, every Shabbos, they used to put fresh bread onto the, onto the shulchan, and um, and the shulchan always had to have it was called lechem hapanim, the like literally means bread with a face because it had open sides, and if this was the shulchan and it was on, they didn't take it out and replace it. They would put the new one in, and the old one would come off. So there was always bread on the table. Um, and it had 12, one for each tribe, and every Shabbos they would switch it out, they would have, and when they would take off the, when they would take off the old bread, which was essentially bread that was a week old, it was still warm and fresh, one of the miracles in the base of Mikdash. It also has a crown around the table part of it. Okay. What's this ring? Everything, okay, now, it also has rings on the side, and it has staves in it. See that word again? Okay, this is a traveling sanctuary. So we need, have, we need to have a way to transport it. You can't touch the vessels, they're holy. So what they used to do, with jumping the gun, they would, the Kohanim would come and cover all the vessels, and they would put the staves, put the staves in and cover the vessels, and the Levites would carry it. Um, all of the vessels that have staves for carrying, when they sat, no, that doesn't make sense in English. When they, yeah, it's just a fancy word for poles. When they rested and they set up the Mishkan, they would take those, they would take those sticks out, um, and they would store them until they were ready to travel again. The only sticks that stayed in all the time were the sticks in the Arn. The Ark always had, always had the sticks in there, even in the base of Mikdash. The sticks never came off of the, uh, never came off of the Ark. And a lot of the Farshim talk about a lot of the ideas. And one of the things that we know, the, you know one of the main ideas that a lot of people talk about is the idea that Torah has to be transportable. Torah doesn't only exist in one space and one time, but the Jews who are going to eventually go into exile and they're going to be scattered all across the world are going to be taking Torah with them and the sticks stay on the ark to remind us that Torah does not belong to one class of people or to only in Jerusalem or to whatever. We have to know wherever we are and wherever we go, Torah is coming with us. So it's also a conversation about what's the to- what refers to the Torah scholars, what refers to the people who support Torah, blah, 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 blah. We're going to have more time to talk about this, but I really want to get through what's going on over here. Okay? That has all the pieces. The next big item that's going to be made is going to be in chapter, sorry, still same chapter, verse 31. What's the next thing going on? The menorah. Okay, do we have dimensions for the menorah? Um, six. Nine, eight, maybe. <laughs> and, and six branches. This is the six branches. This is the menorah. No dimensions. It just says okay, it's going to be it's going to be very tall. It's going to have three steps leading up to the menorah. It has six branches coming off of a main thing, so it has seven total. But it's very specific. Like, it's very specific. It has. It has 49 different decorations on it. Flowers and knobs and cups and upside down. Like it's the, the details are very, very, very hectic. But also they're so specific about saying like it has to come from one piece. It can't be like pieces welded on. It has to be like... Exactly, which is going to come, which is going to be another interesting conundrum. Um, that, it's a nice word. It's a good word. Um, uh, where Moshe is going to say to Hashem, I do that. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you take one block of one block of gold and sort of bang it out and stretch it to create a beautiful work of art? The menorah is going to be seven candelabras. It's almost it's taller than a person. Even the traveling version is going to be taller than a, than a person, and it's going to have three steps because the kohen gadol who lights it, he's not allowed to pick his hand up high. He can only he has on his forehead. He's going to have next week parsha. Next week, partially, we're going to find the, the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, and he's going to have a thing on his forehead that says, Kodesh la Hashem, I'm holy to Hashem. And he can't re- put his hands higher than that. So he has to go, so he has to be raised so he could light the menorah like this. This is a really tall thing that we're talking about, okay? And yet, it all is going to really come from one base. It's going to be stretched out, and it's going to be intricate details and flowers and, and balls and, and cups and all different kinds of stuff that are going on. In some of the Chumashim, you're going to find they have a rendering of the Rambam actually has in his Mishnah Torah, he has a picture of what the menorah, a sketch of what the menorah looks like. Rashi talks about the idea that it was alachson, that the arms stretched out at an angle, which is in line with what the Rambam talks about, as opposed to like the, the sort of curved thing that seems to be a more popular type of look. So, so just one thought about this, and we'll talk about it again. Um, one of the things that we talk about that the menorah repre- 
Okay, you know what? No. We're going to get back to the menorah in a second because we need one more item and then I'm going to put these into place and then we're going we're gonna to get back here. But we're going to talk about, if I don't get back to why Moshe had a hard time with this, please somebody remind me because we have to do this. Okay. Um, at the end of the day, by the way, Moshe was not able to make the menorah. He was not able to make the menorah and Hashem says put it into the fire and it comes out, which is an interesting conversation about how much is required of us and our personal service and why ask anybody to do anything if at the end of the day they're not going to be able to do it? And we're going to need Hashem's bracha in order for it to happen. And that's going to be a different conversation. And I think each, and us, each of us understand that there is value to our putting in our, us putting in our effort regardless of uh, if we can do it in the end. And in fact, the Pirkei Yavis talks about the idea that it, our job is not to make sure we can finish the job. Lo but you can't just say, oh, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to finish it, so I can't do it. Our job is to do the best that we can, and at the end of the day, we're gonna, Hashem is going to give us a brach of it. One of the things I saw nice in Hasidus is that the 49 um, designs on the menorah um, are going to refer to the 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos when the Jews are going to count. We count for 49 days that there's something that we're doing that we're not able to finish it. And the menorah itself is ke'ilu, that 50th day that Hashem says, I'm going to give you the, right, because the Torah tells us to count 50 days, we really only count 49 days. We can't get to that level of completion. Hashem can give it to us, but we have to do our part. And our part is, can you count the 49? Can you do all that part? Just, and I'm going to actually say, because then I'm going to forget, but uh, Hasidus also talks about the idea that the menorah was the source of all the neshamas. And we have seven branches because there are seven emotional traits. And each one of the branches of the Menorah, when Aaron lit it up, he was lighting up every single neshama of which were sourced in Chesed, which were sourced in Vur, which were sourced in Teferis. So all those seven emotional states were going on over there. Okay. Yes. How do they plan on schlepping all of this? Because, like, it must be with, like, a lot of stuff. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Not in this partial, but we're going to get to it. Okay? The next thing that we're going to hear about is a lot of curtains that are going on. And we're going to skip the conversation about the curtains. There's a lot of conversation about how many hooks and the hooks connected to those hooks and how big what's going on. Okay? The next thing in, in chapter 26, verse 15, we're talking about the, the wood, the wood that we're going to make. The boards, sorry, not the wood. The wood we're going to make boards for the Mishkan. They're going to be atse shitim, standing up, right? Take our shtusta kedusha and build a home for Hashem with that, okay? They're 10 amas high, and 10, we know, is our, our all of our faculties, our intellectual and our emotional. And what's going to happen with the crush and with the boards, in a regular building, the first thing you need to do is build a foundation, right? Because if you don't have a foundation, everything's going to fall. But in a traveling structure, that's like a little bit problematic. can't dig a foundation. So what they had was the boards, this is probably not to scale, were shaped something like this. They had, it looked like they had two legs. And then there was something called adunim, which are sockets that were made out of silver. They were pure silver. And there's a conversation whether each leg had one socket or, sorry, I'm going into the, or did a socket go this way? So that each two boards were tied together. Like, you know, like those three-legged races kind of thing? So there's a socket that's going to go, they're going to sit into it, and that's going to actually be the base. That's going to be the foundation. So if you have a traveling foundation for your traveling structure. The next one. We got pictures, okay? No, this is the wood. This is the, this is the boards, okay? Okay, now, now, okay, I want to stop for a second here. Okay, we didn't finish all the vessels, but I want to stop for a second, and I want to explain what's going on over here. I'm sorry, I, Hannah, you have beautiful handwriting, but I, I, need, I need the space. Is no, I can take them. Uh, no, I'll take them. No, 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 no. Can everybody see over here? Yes. Okay. When we talk about the Mishkan, we're actually talking about three spaces. Okay, so the first thing that we're talking about over here with the boards is what's called the Mishkan or the Ohel Moed, okay, which is really two spaces. What? No, it's just, we have one space, but it's actually two spaces. Yes, yes, it is. This, uh, this whole thing is called the Olmoid. This is called the Holy, the Kodesh. This is the Kodesh, and this is the Kodesh Kadashim. Okay, this is the Holy of Holies. Beautiful picture. Okay? 
In the Holy of Holies, we have the Ark. Vizel. Nothing else goes in here. In a traveling structure, we have curtains between the Holy and the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of... First of all, the Mishkan um, laid west to east. Okay? So this is west to east. Okay, so in the north, we have the Shulchan. In the south, we have the southeast a little. We have the menorah. Mm. So menorah is going to be over here. North. What? Shulchan was north. Shulchan was north. Menorah was south, and the but south like sort of southwest a little bit. And more to the east was we don't have this yet. There's going to be a golden altar for the incense. Okay. Now this structure. These are the woods till here. This is a curtain. This is a curtain. So I'm going to go here. These are woods. These are your wood boards, 10 amas high, that have the sockets. So that's going to be the structure. The top of this in the traveling structure in the tabernacle is going to be layers, which we skipped. All those curtains that we skipped, there's going to be a waterproof layer of, you know, of some kind of skin. And then there's going to be the seal skins and the, the goat skins and the tahash. And all of these are going to be layered up so that it's going to be both warm, protected, and waterproof. Okay, this is the Mishkan, or the Ohelmoid. Okay, it has two names. Now, besides that, we're also going to read about this. This is the Chatzer. Oh, the courtyard. This is the Chatzer. This is the courtyard. And a Chatzer in the traveling structure is going to have beams and curtains. Beams and curtains. It's not solid wood all the way through. It's going to be beams and curtains all the way through. Over here, there's going to be another curtain over here, so like you have to walk around it to go in. In the chatzer, in the courtyard, we have, and this structure is going to be like a, like a uh, half football field. I forgot. I forgot the numbers. We'll have it over here. I talked about the chatzer. It's like going to be 50 amas long, I think. I don't remember. I made that up. Don't, don't quote me. The other items that are going to be in the chatzer are going to be the mizbeach, the regular altar for, for sacrifices, and something called the kiar. This is not going to be this week's parsha. There's a kiar that the kohanim used to wash their hands and feet before they did the service. Mm -hmm. Okay? This is the whole thing that we're talking about over here. Most of the conversation is going to be on this section, and this is the whole, this is the whole mishkan, but this is the olimoid, and this is where... When you talk about plain Mishkan, they're really talking about just that. The other places with the courtyard, the whole, the whole structure, okay? This is the beginning of our conversation here. Questions, comments? Yeah, I have a question. Besides my artwork, do not comment on my artwork. Yes? Where, like, so, like, what's the dimension, like, the, not dimensions, but the north, south, east? This is north, this is south, this is west, and this is east. Okay, so for, huh? for the inside of the box. Same thing. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing, Okay. And then here you have curtains, here you have a curtain, and here you have a curtain. This is a curtain, not a wall. This is a curtain. Is there a floor? There was no floor. In the, in the, Mishka, in the desert, sorry, in the desert, they were on the ground. Once the Mishkan was semi-permanent in, in Israel, once they came in, it was still, they, at that point, they, trend, they made these walls, were made out of stone, not out of curtains. The top of the wall, the top of the Mishkan still had the curtains and it was still on the floor. Once you bake, make a base on Mikdash, then you have marble floors, which is going to be really cold because the Kohanim walk around barefoot. So, that just saying. The, 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 the Gemara actually talks about that the Kohanim had a lot of health issues because they ate a lot of meat and they walked around barefoot on cold stone floors. And there's, there's actually places, there are actually places in the base on Mikdash that are where there's a fire burning all the time. For Kohanim to go and warm themselves up. But it's hot in Yerushalayim. Yeah, but like in the winter. Yeah, but, yeah, but. That's, the, that's what the Gemara talks about. That, that they actually had a lot of stomach problems and they were very cold. Who had a, who had a comment? Question. How do they transport everything? How do they? Transport everything. What do you need a floor to transport? Like what they would carry, like a menorah and like a... So, okay, so, so, we'll, so it's not in this Parsha, but we'll talk about transportation for a second. Essentially, what's going to happen is, is that the, the, um, words. the main holy vessels are going to be carried. Okay, so the, like I said, the Kohanim are going to cover them up with layers of travel material. They have two layers to cover. 
put the sticks in and the Levites would come take it. All the curtains and all the walls and all the sockets which were taken down and they actually had wagons. There were six wagons of the Nassim that the, the, the heads of tribe donate later on in Parshish Nusso. And so they're going to use that for the curtains and the beams and the sockets. And everything, all those little things that, like the shovels and the pincers, pincers? Those things, like all those kinds of tongs and all these kinds of stuff. I don't know. It's like, a, like these things. I don't know. It's all those things they carried. But the, the, the walls and the curtains were put on a thing. And it's interesting now because they talk about the idea like how tightly packed it was because, I mean, six wagons is like, there's a lot of stuff to put on the wagons. And you have to like, anybody here ever move more than once? Mm. And after the first time, you're like, where did all the stuff come from? And how do I pack it up? And, and you know, like, there's a certain way, like, if we put these things like this, it'll all fit. But if somebody else packs it and just throws things in randomly, it's not going to fit. Mm-hmm. So the same things with the Mishkan, that it had to be packed very, very carefully because, um, because else it wouldn't all fit. And then who wants to carry a board that's 10 amas tall and weighs, you know, a hundred kilos or whatever, like nobody wants to carry that. You want that on the you want that on the wagon, um, and they and and the conversation between them first, and they say, why? So why didn't you need another wagon? So there'd be some extra space. And the answer that they always talk about is that in the house of God, everything has exact space. There's none of this like <coughs> random wasted space. Everything has to have an exact space, and everything has to have an exact accounting for. So you have to work a little harder to put it in. So Baba, and I think it's really true for us as well. That place of, that place of um, the parts of us that were like, eh, it doesn't really fit in. No, no, if we, if we have it, it all has to fit into our service of Hashem. Whatever it is that, that we have, our talents, our abilities, our personalities, um, somehow it has to fit in and we have to maybe fit it a little bit carefully, but everything should be able to fit into our, into our relationship with Hashem. Um, did we finish the Parsha? We finished the Parsha. Did we do the altar? It's, I don't think it's in this week's Parsha. Yeah, it's chapter 27. Okay, okay so, no, so here's the altar. This is the altar. It's not the golden altar. The altar we have out here is, how big is our altar going to be? Five, five, five. One second. Altar is going to be what? Five, five, three. Five, by five, five, three. Okay? And it also has a golden crown around it or a copper, depending what it is. Um, and the altar, um, Lisa, to answer your question, traveling, it was hollow. And when they stopped, they would fill it with earth. Okay, so that the place for sacrifice and fire and whatever, it was essentially, they made a box and it was filled with earth and had the ramp. So that was going on. In the base on these, five, five, and three is um, however big this is. Five amas is going to be, it's going to be big. But in the base of Mikdash, just for proportion, the altar was 32 amas by 32 amas, oh by 10 amas. So if you wanted, like, proportion, how much bigger everything is, that's, that's one way, an easy way to see it. Amber, question. If, if in the base of Mikdash, that no one apart from the Kohen going to the... Did not hear what you said. In the base of Mikdash. No one apart from the Kohen God is going to Kodesh Kodeshim. And the Mishkan also. Dead, yeah. How do they move it then? Joe, so in... So so this is the Mishkan. In the base of English, they weren't moving anything. In the temple, they weren't moving. So in the tabernacle, very good so question. About how, in, if that happened like also in the Mishkan, like how did they So move in the, the it happened in the, yes, it happened in the Mishkan. And basically what would happen, I told you that there's a curtain between the Holy and the Holy of Holies. And the Kohanim, talk about skills, they had to unhook the curtains backwards and throw it so that it went over the ark. So nobody actually saw it. So by the time they came... By the time they turned around, it was no longer a holy of holies. Whoa. Whoa. But they couldn't do it forward because they couldn't look at it. So they had to do it backwards. Right. It doesn't have to be portable. I don't know. That's, that's what the Gabar talks The Gabar talks about that's how they used to do it. They used to unhook it and throw it backwards, and it would go over the ark, and then they would you know, tighten it stuff, and they would take it out. But that was a good question. Um, question. It, like, it's supposed to be portable, right? Like, how, you can't so portable, okay. So portable does not mean that I can take it by myself. Mm. Portable means it mm. is movable. Mm. It is movable. That means that there's no deep foundation. Everything can be moved. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a true lesson for us in life. People, Hillary Clinton did not invent that it takes a village to raise a child. It is from Tyra. We have it way before 
we have to, the things that we have to do, we have to do together. And it's interesting. One of the things he talks about the Aaron, he talks about the Ark. It uses um, it uses the expression of us as a as a Aaron that you have to do it, and it's a plural terminology. And everybody, all the Mepharshim talk about the idea that Tyra, the Ark represents Tyra. It's not, a so, it's not a solo pursuit. You have to work with the Chavrusa. You have to have a community. Judaism is meant to be with a community. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be by itself. And so when, when you say, is it movable? Yes, it's movable. Can I move it by myself? No, not at all. Am I meant to move it by myself? Mm-hmm. Also no. And I think it's really true in life. There are a lot of things. We have to do whatever fill in the blanks. Do we have to do it all by ourselves? It's, the jury's out on that. And really, I would say, there's a lot of things that we think we have to do by ourselves, and really, if we do it with a friend, it'll be so much easier, and it'll be so much better for us. How long did it take them to build this? What? How long did it take them to build this? To build this. Okay, so, um, they, so uh, the only thing that, does, for the next, within the next five tower portions, the only thing that is not tem- tabernacle-related is going to be Parshish Kisisa when we have the sin of the golden calf. So there's like a back and forth, when did they get the things? We're going to get to it afterwards. But basically, when Moshe comes down, Moshe comes down after his third sojourn in heaven, getting forgiveness for the people on Yom Kippur, the day after Yom Kippur, Moshe's like, building campaign, <laughs> who's in? Bring whatever you want, okay? Um, and, and everybody, and, and then within two days, by the second day, the people who are in charge of the construction come to Moshe and they say, we have enough. Stop, okay? For all the people who build buildings and it takes them years and years to raise the money, Moshe did it in one day. He got all the funds. He got all the materials that they needed. He had everything that he needed in one day. The next morning, they said, they have enough to do all the work. And again, in the house of God, we're not just, oh, we're going to save it and open a chair and have an endowment. No, no, either it's used for the house of God or it doesn't come into the house of God. And then, so that's, let's say, on the 11th of Tishrei, they start, they start the campaign. On the 12th, they have enough. On the 25th of Kislev, it is done. What? It is done on the 25th of Kislev. So that is... That's Hanukkah. So, exactly. It's Hanukkah. It is, the 25th of Kislev is going to be Hanukkah. And when the Mishkan is all finished being built, and it's the 25th of Kislev, Hashem says to Moshe... Put it into storage until I tell you to pull it out. Oh and the twenty fifth of Kislev goes. So the twenty fifth of Kislev goes to God and says, "Hello, what am I, chopped liver? Like, why don't I get the dedication?" And God's like, "I got a big one in store for you. Oh. Don't worry." And so the twenty fifth of Kislev, from so much earlier before, is a day for dedication. But the Mishkan is actually going to be held in storage until the first day of Nisan, and that's when they're going to start putting it up and starting the so service. The this is not the temple. This I is a tabernacle. No, I know it's not the temple, but I'm saying this, the Beit Hamikdash was—it's like, not this. It this is not this. This is—I know it's not that. It, exactly. didn't, exist. Like, it didn't exist. Did not exist. Okay. It did not exist at all. It's like, like portable Beit Hamikdash. This is a port. This is a portable Beit Hamikdash. Exactly. There's a whole conversation, more like in the modern commentaries, about um, uh, why did they need the Mishkan at all. Because if you know, like right now, where are they headed? They're headed to Yerushalayim. They're he- right? They're heading, to, they're heading to the land of Canaan. So, them to them? so the question is, why do we need this at all? Why do we need this at all? We're going to, we're going to the land of Canaan. They, they haven't yet sinned. There's no decree that they're going to be in the desert for 40 years. So like in a way... For the people who say that the, 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 the Mishkan, the tabernacle, is a response to the golden calf, then it makes sense. But here, we're getting this whole command over here. We haven't heard of golden yeah. calf at all. We don't know that we're staying in the desert for 40 years, even though we did have a little spoiler when we talked about the man. It talks about that they ate the man for 40 years. But we don't know that here in the Chumash. So why do you need a Mishkan? Why are you not just going straight into the land of Israel and building a base of Mikdash? What's the purpose of this? So, Hashem is not a destination. So I like the listen. The, the the nice thing about modern commentaries, <laughs> I don't feel like obligated to stick with their conclusions. <laughs> um, so and so that so like what you're saying is right. Like, is it to tell us that Hashem 
it's a journey and we're always on the path and we have to take Hashem with us. Is it really highlighting the idea of the base Hamikdash being an internal thing? All of those could work. There, you know, like it's not just like, because some of them talk about the idea like the whole Mishkan thing is like a bad thing because it's only because of the Chaita Egel, it's only because of the golden calf and that's why we have it. Otherwise, we never had it. We'd have gone just straight going to the right? So I don't have to buy their conclusions, but I, I think that the question is a valid question, and I think, I, and, and uh, Zoe, I like your answer, that to tell us that it, this whole relationship with Hashem has to be portable. It has to be, and, and, and this is my own challenge. You do not have to buy this. If we only had a relationship with Hashem that was a permanent space, if we only ever had the Beis HaMikdash, then, then we'd be stuck. Because we don't have Beis HaMikdash, so how would we do it? You know, similar to the idea that why did, you know, like where Yaakov sort of was favoring Yosef and that engagement with the world kind of Jew as opposed to the shepherd Jew, history has shown us that we need the Mishkan. We need that Mishkan headspace of being able to have Hashem with us wherever we go. And that we're not lost if we're in Spain or Portugal or Morocco or Russia or even in Israel in 2023. Like, we're not lost if we don't have the permanent structure. We want the permanent structure. We want the closest that it's going to bring and all that kind of stuff. But we, we aren't intrinsically lost if we don't have it, which we would be if we only ever had a mission, if we only ever had a base of if we And the fact that we had, we have so much ink about the, about the Mishkan. Like, really, we've just started to scratch the surface right now. We're going to have another three parishes that are going to talk about the, they're going to talk about it, and we have to actually pay attention and say, why is this different, and why are we, you know, what's so special about this? Oh, guess what? We didn't do the Kliyakar. We're going to save it for next week, because we're going to talk about the Mishkan next week again. So I want to give us a bracha. Um, we are now starting the second half of the Shemos journey. There's a place that we were enslaved and we got out and we are in a place that isn't terrible and horrible and all that. Um, and yet that's not enough. And the place that we're going to be working for in the next bunch of weeks, and it's going to sort of coincide with our coming into Pesach, is this place of building a home for Hashem and to understand for ourselves how valuable we are, how every single part of us is one of the vessels in the Beis HaMikdash, mm-hmm. how all of our behavior and all of our actions are to make everything, who we are and where we are and what we do, a home for God. We should be shining examples of what it looks like to be a proud Jewish woman in 2023. Mm-hmm. And we should pick one thing that we want to work on. We haven't really discussed any of the stuff of where it, you know, how it fits in and everything, but just one thing, I'm going to give you a weird visual to leave with, but if you Look at the base, I make the, the Mishkan like this. It's like a person laying on their side. So if you want to line up vessels, it goes from your brain to your, from your brain to your eyes, your stomach, your heart, your intestines, going on. Wow. So all of us is going to be part of this home for Hashem. We're going to talk about it more next week. We didn't, we're going to hold on to these. We're going to talk about it next week because we are actually out of time, but I do want to talk about the crowns on those three items. Have an awesome rest of the day. Have a great Shabbos and good luck.